Hey everybody, it's Pastor Matt. So glad you could join in and listen with us. Well, this morning we had the privilege of listening to Roy, Roy Thiessen, one of our elders, share with us from the Word of God. He talked about Romans 15, 14, where we have this uh, description of the church, Paul talking to the believers in Rome. And he shares with them that he is convinced because of the great God we serve, Christ within us. He shared that he was confident that they were full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and able to instruct. And Roy shares with us what that looks like. And in the the body of Christ. And so I would encourage you to take a listen. Um, The recording quality is a couple of times, and this is my fault, but I didn't click start on the the recording um, that we keep at the front of the church. So it's recorded from the back, and we don't have a sound system. Um, So uh, it's just a recording on my wife's phone, and it's got a little bit of uh, me and my wife and probably uh, my son in there as well. But uh, hopefully you can focus on the Word of God that was shared with us this morning. So God bless you all and uh, hope that that um, the Lord opens our hearts and our minds to, to see um, all that He has for us in Christ and just really... Um, to have a greater appreciation for the calling that He's called us to and the enabling that He gives us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are so blessed. And uh, so I look forward to continuing on this journey of being a church full of goodness, filled with knowledge and and uh, able to instruct, and Roy will share with you a little bit about what those three terms uh, are talking about. So I hope you enjoy, and that's that's enough of me talking. Uh... At the Milk River, well, how do I how do I get there? You know, there's a process to to walking there, right? There's a there's there's a direction, you know, for us, and and sometimes I. I sometimes get frustrated at the, at the distance, but in the midst of that, like Deb prayed, we've got to remember that this is part of God's refining fire, making us all that he plans us to be. Part of that is that confession that we, we sang about of, of creating me a clean heart, Exodus, where, where, where David acknowledged his sin before God, and he was made new. God may, may God restore a right spirit within us. So what does it look like? What does it look like for us, not only as individuals, but as a congregation? Does God have some sort of instruction for us? And praise the Lord, He does. Are you confident that the Word of God that you hold in your hands is sufficient for all of life and godliness? Are you confident in the, in the God that is in you and His power because of that? which uh, uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has given you everything. How much? Everything. Everything you need for life and godliness. 
sufficiency of God's word is so significant in our foundational building of our lives. God's word is true. It is inerrant. It is without error. God has preserved it. Think, I mean, I could, I could have a sermon just on that right there. How God, through the years, miraculously preserved his word. And so I, I, I just love it. I love God's word. And, and, and yet sometimes I, I struggle. And so I just want to bring up one verse today. And, and I would I encourage you to, to look it up in your, in, in your Bible. But the verse of the day, Annika, can you come here a minute? God and his infinite wisdom. Have my friend Randy bring his electrical tape today. Because <laughs> he knew. He knew. Right? This is Romans 15, verse 14. Romans 15, verse 14. Let's all say it together. My brothers and sisters, I, I myself am convinced about you. That you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. One more time. My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Praise the Lord. I myself, I, Paul, this is, uh, I just put it down there, Romans 15, 14. I, Paul, am convinced, I am sure, I am persuaded, some of your scriptures say, the verse. I'm persuaded that he believes wholeheartedly that this church in Rome is what it is. He's confident because he's confident in the God in them. He has spent... 11 chapters. How many? 11 chapters explaining what God has done and, and whose we are. 11 chapters before he says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, Romans 12 verse 1, present yourselves to God as living sacrifices. He is confident. He's convinced. He's persuaded. He believes wholeheartedly. That they will be what? Full. 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 What, what, is, what does that mean? Full of full of what? Full of goodness. You know, full is, is pertaining to being extensively engaged in. It's not just like, you know, filled to the brim and, and, and it just kind of stays there. It's really the, the, the connotation, the picture there is so full that the net is bursting. It's ready to, it's, it's breaking at the seams. It's, it's the glass that is so full that it's running over. Full of goodness. You yourselves are constantly engaged in doing good. 
Paul is confident that they themselves are, are full of goodness. They're constantly engaged in doing good. It pic- I already said it pictures that net and that, and that, uh, and that glass. Goodness. Goodness refers to moral excellence and goodness. It's, it's not just stuff. It's not just, just one fruit of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking of a moral excellence as well as goodness. It's, it's, it's part of the very person's character. It's who they are. And indicates a quality about it. So, I already forgot. Full of goodness. It's who they are. It's their very, very heart. It's their being. It's 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 Christ-like character. All right, that's here. I just want to make a mention. Uh, Bob Kellerman, you can look him up if you want. He uh, mentored me a little bit uh, in a class, and uh, he really shared some of the thoughts that I'm sharing with you today. And I just want to thank God for him and how he's encouraged me um, in not only this area but in other areas of my life. So I want to give credit to um, Bob Kellerman. I actually have the book that uh, <clears throat> one of the books I've referenced here called Gospel Conversations. All right, it's what I'm working through right now. So, full of goodness, it's Christ-like character. It's it's just flowing over. And I ask myself, why goodness, right? I'm thinking to myself, goodness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Why, why not? What are the other ones? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like, why not the other ones? You know. He says, I am confident that you are full of goodness. And I think to myself, and, 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 uh, in the Old Testament, uh, turn with me, uh, maybe this side of the room here, turn to 1 Chronicles. Yeah, 1 Chronicles. When's the last time we've been in 1 Chronicles? I don't even remember that. But 1 Chronicles 16.34. This side of the room, go to uh, Psalm uh, 136. Psalm 136. So when when First Chronicle folks get to their passage, it's uh, 16 verse 34. Just just yell it out. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. For His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Why? His mercy endures forever. His love endures forever. When you read about God in the Old Testament, often that's connected. God's goodness and His love. Uh, Psalm 136. We'll give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Okay, you want to stop right there. And right on. And, and what do you see repeated time and time in that passage? For his mercy endures His mercy endures forever. And it has another line, and then his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his mercy, his faithful love. He's speaking of his faithful love, his covenant love. 
endures forever. And so you see this goodness, you see this character of goodness and love together. And I think that's why Paul is, is bringing this out. I am confident in you, in the, in the Christ who is in you, your goodness shows. You know, you are full, you are brimming, you are overflowing with goodness. And, and, and who's he talking to? Who, who is the, the book of Romans written to? The Romans. Which kind of Romans? Christians, right? I mean, these are the elite Christians, right? I mean, these are kind of the apostle-like leader Christians? No. It was funny because I shared a little bit of this. I kind of dumped it on us in an elders meeting in, in a, in a five-bucket fashion. You know, I'm trying to, trying to be a little, little lighter with it. But um, Kelly said... It's just the run-of-the-mill Christians he's writing to. <laughs> so I put that on the top. And he's right, you know? It's Christians. And, and I think if you look at Romans 16, you know, he's got a list of thank, thank uh, you know, greet this person, greet that person. I actually think that maybe this is not one of your uh, Lethbridge e 3 sized churches. This is a house church that he's writing to. This, this is people that might look about in the quantity of what we would, maybe on an Easter or a Christmas, you know? But it's like a household church. He's saying, I am confident, his confidence really is directed to, to Christ, I believe, but he's confident that these people are full of goodness. And so we see that Christ-like character, full of goodness and love, and how that connects in the New and Old Testament. And you know what? Uh, in, in Psalm 100, it says the same thing. You know, and it's about the heart. It's about the being. You know, it's about being good. And so then he moves on, right? He goes on, and first of all, goodness is a virtue that. How how do we know that we're overflowing with goodness? Well, really, it's a, it's a virtue that reveals itself in social relationships, in various contexts and connections to others. Says Hendrickson in his commentary on Galatians. It always displays itself in relational context through undeserved kindness. And so we see that goodness flowing out, or Paul is, has heard about it and, and, and knows about it, that it, it's, it's, it's seen in relationships. Okay? And we're going to talk about that in a minute, where it flows out in, uh, in these contexts towards people who may not deserve Kindness. Man, you pray for our leaders, right? Even though they're, yeah, the way you said it, it's something like, even though their interests are not for us, or something like that. And, and to love our enemies. Thanks be to Christ that he has shown us how to do that, right? Yeah. So we can pray for them, or maybe we can do something else. Yeah. And so that's one of those things, that goodness that flows out of us, out of the goodness that Christ has given us. Isn't that so exciting? So here... Paul is referring to the Christ-like character, right? Christ-like character that relates to others with grace. The Christ-like character that relates to others with grace. It's being. Okay, so let's just read the verse again. My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Full of goodness. And then what does it say? 
filled with all knowledge. If you look in some of your versions, it might say complete in knowledge. Does that mean that we're just like walking in biblical encyclopedias with all of, all of the, the knowledge of, of all the theological truths? No, no, that's not what Paul is saying. If Paul was saying that, what is Peter saying in, uh, is it uh, 2 Peter 3.18 where it says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's something that's growing. So what does Paul mean when he says being filled or having filled with all knowledge or complete in knowledge? It doesn't mean that we're walking encyclopedias with absolute knowledge of truth. Paul means that we become filled with God's word so that it claims our entire being and stamps uh, our whole life, our conduct, our attitude, and our relationships. So Paul's saying that God's word fills us so that it transforms us. It's a knowledge that is, is wisdom. It instructs our daily life. It's, it's applied knowledge to our lives. It, it's here, it's knowledge is the wisdom and insight to relate the truth to life. How does this truth apply to our life in this situation? So that's what he means by knowledge. And, and actually, he prays for it, if you were listening a few weeks ago, in uh, Philippians. And I know you were. Philippians 1, verses uh, 9 through 11. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge. And in every kind of discernment, you see the love of the character, right? Christ-like character, knowledge. So there it is. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So, here we go. Filled with knowledge. Right? Really, speaking of knowing, isn't it? Oops. I had the other word in there. Knowing. Or head. But not just head. Lived out. Right? And so, really, it's, it's biblical, what he's speaking of is biblical content, conviction. It governs the way we live. So Paul is confident, he's, he's sure of it, that, that this, this church, these individuals, this, this body of Christ, has a Christ-like character has biblical content and, and knowledge and conviction. They're filled with goodness and love and, 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 and filled with knowledge. Their heart and their head, their being, their, their, their knowing is full and filled. Now, this always goes together, right? This always goes together. Now, how, 
you know, um, what happens if we have knowledge without love? Resounding gum and a clanging symbol, right? I think sometimes that I have been, and, and, and I, I want to confess with you that, that I could be kind of heavy here, right? And light here. Light on that goodness and love, and, and though I might mean it from my heart, the way it comes out is not always loving and kind. And therefore, it comes more like a sledgehammer to maybe somebody's head rather than the healing bomb, you know? And so, this always goes together. It's never separated. And then he says, well, what's next? All right, let's go over this again. My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Able to instruct, able, dunamai. Right? That's, that's the word dunamai. Uh, dunamis is the word for power. Right? Dunamis, what was it? Dynamite. Dynamite, right. That's where we get the word dynamite, right? So you got like TNT right here, okay? <laughs> and that you are able to, you are capable, he's saying. I know that your Christian character, this character of goodness is being. I know that your knowledge is full of biblical content and growing. Right? And because of that, you are able, you are dunamis, you are dunamai. Able to, capable of. You are competent, I like, is another great word for this. And that's actually in one of, one of the translations. Competent to instruct. You have power to accomplish a mission. Where's our power from? God, Holy Spirit, right? Because of this, you have your, your power to accomplish a mission, the power necessary to fulfill God's call to minister to each other. Right? Right? You have the ability and capable, the resources and the strength to function and relate well. So here we are, um, full of goodness, filled with knowledge, able or competent to instruct or counsel Paul is saying because of Christ because of this you are I'll get this right you have counseling competence doing you are able to right and so the word here actually for instruct is only used 11 times in the bible and it's the word uh nutheo it's where j adams gets his uh, word uh nuthetic, all right he's combining a couple words nuthetic, and it really means to provide continuous instruction it's not a one it's a continuous instruction for the purpose of correcting behavior and belief, to impart understanding, to admonish, to warn, to exhort. You find it, I'll, I mean, there's, like I said, there's 11, but I'll take you to Colossians uh, 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, verse 16. 
dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. Teaching and nuthesia. Admonishing. Alright? Urging, exhorting. We'll get to another one in a minute. It's confronting for change out of concern. It's confronting for change out of concern. And it results in a change of mind, or at least it desires to. It's it's which the mind is really our place of practical reasoning, isn't it? And it, it deals with that and, and it involves moral action. It's not just intellect, okay? It's not just intellect, but it's 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 will, it's disposition, it's action. And, and really, this word it can take on many forms. Like I said, Nutheo was used eleven times, but Elsewhere, it's a different word, and we have different words for it. But think of parakaleo. Parakaleo means to comfort, to encourage, to console. And that one's used 109 times. I love it, actually, where it says in 2 Corinthians uh, 1, verses 3 to 11, it speaks of the God of all comfort who comforts us, parakaleo, who comforts us, in our weakness, so that we are able to comfort others in any affliction. That's that parakaleo. Um, remember, Jesus ascended, right? Jesus ascended into heaven, and he promised the Holy Spirit, the parakaletos, the comforter. See the word? Parakaletos. And an advocate. You know, the Holy Spirit's performs his ministry by being in us and revealing truth to us. And it says in John that the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth. John 14, 16, and 17. You see, as the spirit of truth, his ministry is really the exact opposite of Satan's, isn't it? Because the Satan, all this, the, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, the, the paracletos, the, the comforter, Guides us in truth according to John 14. Satan is the father of lies. Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit. How we need the Holy Spirit's work in us. Check out uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2. 1 uh, Did I say 2? I meant 14. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters. There's the word exhort, right? We're exhorting you, brothers and sisters. Oh, warn those who are idle. Parakletos. Uh, comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Now you see like five different words, don't you? You see exhort. You see warn. You see comfort. You see help. You see be patient. In, in the area of instructing others. So Paul is saying, look, I am confident and you being full of goodness, being filled with uh, all knowledge, competent in your knowledge, that you're able to counsel one another well. You're able to uh, 
settle. You're able to instruct with your hands. You're doing, you're competent in counseling. Now, you know, I'll be honest with you. When I hear the word counseling, like before I started about five years ago and, and really pursuing, you know, the idea of biblical counseling, I was kind of like, you know, you go to somebody and you sit on a couch and, you know, you lay back and you, you tell them all your woes. You know, that, that was my kind of thought of counseling, right? There's a lot of ways that it can be done. The preaching of the word, Paul spoke publicly. He went house to house, right? And here he's calling every one of us a biblical counselor. So when you hear that word, that's what I'm talking about. This competence to instruct one another. And that's really why I, where I want to go. He doesn't, he's, not, he's not a lone ranger. Paul isn't a lone ranger either. And, he, and he's not saying the church is either. We're not to be lone rangers. We're not little individuals that come together once a week. No, we should be a body. Did you notice? It's always plural when he has those words. It happens in Christian community. And we see that in the words like brothers, plural, one, another, you yourselves really is how it, how it says that right here. Brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you yourselves that you yourselves are also. It's plural. Brothers and sisters, uh, okay? Uh, Christian community. Let's uh, go along with H, home. Community. Just trying to, trying to bring the H together. Thanks to Bob Kellerman. All right? Living. What does the church look like? Church is really about a body of believers who's growing in goodness and love, Christ-like character. It being filled with knowledge, and not just knowledge in your head, but ones that knowledge applied to your life. Biblical content and conviction. Able to really do one another, uh, effective personal ministry, one another ministry of the word to, to one another. In the context of community, both in secular and Christian community, in the church. You know, this whole idea of the one another it is not, you know, it doesn't just show up in, in, in Romans uh, 14. I mean, if you just take a quick look back, you see... The gifts of the body in Romans 12, verses 3. But each of us has a special gift from the Holy Spirit and, and, and to be really used in the body of Christ. We talk about, being, uh, chapter 12 also talks about really, uh, like 10, love one another deeply, being deeply committed to one another. Chapter 13 is about loving your neighbor as yourself. And, and if you just breeze through a quick look at 14 to 15, verse 13, you just see one another passages time and time and time again. So it's really in the context of community. Growth and grace really is a community project. And so here it is. As you think about God, God in us, and the possibilities that he has for us. Now, how are we doing? Where would you yourselves say, you know, this is where my strength is? Which one would you pick? 
Is there an area that you need to grow in? Yeah, I do that. Thanks for being honest, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, they really need to all be there. Because if they're not, we're really not communicating the triune God. Who, who talks to before the foundation of the world that communicated. They were full of goodness. Their love endured forever. They were competent. They are, you know. They live in community. When we think about God, this is what we're to represent. But but what if I'm just all about community? But have not knowledge, maybe. somebody, but I don't have that brotherly love, goodness, the goodness that overflows in my character, in who I am. Just a resounding God. Plain and simple. God's call for this church is not to just have biblical counseling to be a church with biblical counseling is really to be a church that our culture is this. This is who we are. Biblical counselors. Our goal is not to be a church with biblical counseling, but a church of biblical counseling where every member engages in effective personal ministry of the word. So, thanks be to God that we're doing some of that, right? There's probably some areas where we need to grow, right? I think in our own lives we can see that, right? Some of us more naturally are inclined to one versus maybe another. But isn't it wonderful that God is working in us to will and to act according to his glory? Isn't it wonderful to even know this, that God revealed this to us. Uh, this is just one verse in, in a Bible that goes from Genesis 1 to Revelation, through Revelation, right? So this is just one verse. This is a piece of it. I just want to encourage you guys to think about this. What would it be like for us to maybe gain more knowledge in some areas? What would have to happen? What type of commitment will we have to make in order to make that happen? Maybe we don't feel like we're very competent, right? We're not very good at, 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 at instructing one another, at, at helping them see the truths of Scripture in a way that applies to the very situation that they're maybe struggling with or the sin that they need to be aware of that maybe they're not. 
and to bring reconciliation and grace in that situation, or to bring hope in the area of suffering. Maybe we're not confident in that situation. Well, what is it going to take for us to grow in that confidence? How will we as a church grow in, in the goodness and, and in character way? And we started doing that this morning by looking at Psalm 100. I would encourage you to go back home and, and to look at, at who is God. Because even as we discussed it in our own talk, I heard it in some of you like, yeah, God is good. We give thanks to the Lord. We approach his, we enter his courts with thanksgiving. Oh, but sometimes, and I acknowledge to you, sometimes it's hard for me to do with gladness in my heart. Why? Because sometimes I picture God like a father who just says, go do your chores first. Or something like that. Just get her done. Right? Maybe. maybe. There's probably some truth to that in my life. But is that God? Is that God? We get to participate in God's divine power. Which is enabling us to do everything that he calls us to do in this life. Maybe you've got a friend that's struggling with, with um, cutting. You're like, man, what's that? It's kind of a newer thing. The last bit, self-harm. Self-harm is definitely not new. But like, I, I looked up in a concordance cutting. I don't find it, Roy. It helped me out here. And I don't know about I might have to find somebody else to help us out. You know? But what is it going to happen? for us to be more confident in maybe some areas of growth. Maybe sharing the gospel. What, what, are you committed to that? Because God is committed to us. He's committed to you. So that we would be a community of believers. That this here congregation will be the number one family in our life. The number one. Think about that. God wants to do something far greater than he than you can imagine. And so let's rejoice with him today. Let's rejoice. Because God in his goodness gave, didn't he? He gave his son. This was everlasting life for you. And you know what? We're not groping around in the darkness. We have been to Adam and Eve before the fall were dependent on God, weren't they? Thanks be to God, he told them what to eat, right? They would be probably eating bark and dirt still or something like that, right? I mean, he told them what to eat. He told them how to live. He told, And he said all of that was very good. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve and the rest of us rebel against God, don't we? But God has opened up our hearts to the knowledge of his word. And we're applying it. I see God in you implying some of these truths. And maybe we need to grow in some competence. As we depend on God to be brothers and sisters, this community, this family where my family is a church family. That's who it is. It's the brothers and sisters of Christ. Notwithstanding all of our non-sacred friends and family, right? They're there too, but, but that this truly becomes the body of Christ. Uh, in your home. And you and my home. Also. Yeah. The one another ministry is not just Sunday morning.
but yet it's the church. So praise the Lord. Are you encouraged? Because, because Paul is now confident in these brothers and sisters in the Lord and Rome. I am confident of the Christ in you. That you are full and being full in the character. And God is desiring to grow us in good in that character. I am confident, too, that God is, is filling us with knowledge. But then as we grow in these areas, that we will become more and more competent to biblically counsel one another in the Word. As we grow and grow and grow and grow in one another ministry. Confident of that. Because God calls us to that. That is actually who God is. As we represent Him in God Almighty, I'm just so grateful and thankful for your word. You're awesome, God. I'm so excited, Lord. I pray that you would, you would do a work in our hearts and in, in this family, in your body. That people will, will glorify you because some, some Roy and other members of this family who struggle in so many ways, that you, you are evident in their lives. I pray that we would let your light so shine before all of them. They would see you glorify you. Thank you for this word here today, Lord God. And I just pray that you would challenge us, Lord, to think about what is the next step. And we would consider these things, Father God, and we would say, oh, Lord, I really need to grow on a daily basis in the knowledge of your word, Lord God. As I begin to open up your word, Lord, that you would teach us this week from your word that we would be filled with all knowledge. That it would transform our lives, that we, our character would represent Christ more and more and more each day. We would not plateau, Lord, but we continue from glory to glory, change, to be like you. Father God, I pray that you would unite our family, family of God. One that is knit together, that, that shares and loves and, and really does one another ministry with each other well. Father God, continue to, to build us up in that way, Lord. We look forward, and yet, I'll be honest, Lord, I'm a little scared. Because this will all involve the refiner's fire. And Lord, I don't like pain. I don't like to be vulnerable. I don't like... Well, Lord, the fact is that sometimes I put man's praise in front of the praise that you give me in Christ. Father God, I confess that. Sometimes I'm too concerned about what people think about me. And that ultimately will get Lord. Maybe some of my friends here and family here, Lord, and all of that there's other areas in their lives that can struggle with you, Lord. Father, I'm just so grateful that Father, you sent the West, and you your faithful, and just cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for that.